Well, hey, for those of you just now joining us, if you don't know who I am, my name is Eric and I'm one of the pastors here and we are wrapping up our series today called Inconvenient Giving. So next week, uh, giving can be convenient. So this will be the last week for your giving to be inconvenient. But I have just absolutely loved this series that we have been in, talking about what it means to be generous with our time, our talent, and our treasure. And what we're doing over the course of this whole year that stems from Vision Day is this this idea that convenient Christianity is the enemy of your soul. And so what we're doing over the, over the course of this year is looking at our eight core practices, which we learned that from Vision Day, we're calling our eight inconvenient practices. Because once you start to practice them, you realize that they're inconvenient. You realize that it's not easy to follow Jesus. The things that Jesus calls us to do are, are not easy. They're inconvenient. Thanks, MJ. So that's why we're calling this calling them the inconvenient practices. And for the last four weeks, what we've been doing is talking about inconvenient giving. What does it mean to be generous with our time, our talent, and our treasure? And the first week, Pastor Pastor Brad talked about our motives. And he mentioned that Jesus was never out to make a name for himself. And he asked that question, so what is your motive? In the second week, He talked about giving our time and he said this, time is a gift from God and time is a gift to be given. And the third week he talked about giving our talent. He reminded us to be faithful and obedient to where God has placed us. And last week we heard from Bob Green who reminded us to trust God as our provider. So if you have your Bibles with you, take it out and turn to the Gospel of Luke chapter six. We're gonna be looking at verse 38. If you don't have a Bible, I encourage you to download Version. I think that'll be helpful for you, as well as Bible Hub is another app that'll be helpful for you as you make time for your daily devotions, which is one of our core practices. And as it was mentioned earlier, we are in the season of Lent. And so if you go to courtchurch.com, you can find more resources about Lent, as well as the reading plans that we are going through as a church together. The Gospel of Luke is the third of four Gospels in the New Testament. And what the Gospels are is they are written accounts of the life and ministry of Jesus. And this specific Gospel was written by Luke, who was a physician and who was a friend to Paul. And in chapter 6, verse 38, this comes from a section known as the Beatitudes. And in verse 38, Jesus is recorded saying this, Give, and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. Today, we are wrapping up our series by talking about what it means for us to remember God in our time, our talent, and our treasure. Let's pray. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the time of celebration that we have had already. I thank you for your spirit that is present in this place. Thank you for the opportunity we have to gather and open your word and to hear from it. And I pray that our hearts and minds are open to receive. And I want to say only what you want me to say, nothing more and nothing less. Ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, let it be known that I am a fan of knock-knock jokes. If you, uh, if you don't know what those are, you're, you're about to find out. They are classic dad joke material. And they're classic dad joke material because they never fail to deliver. 
when a child tells you a knock-knock joke, it's like when a child hands you a fake phone. You answer it, right? And so when they tell you a knock-knock joke, you just laugh. So I thought we would have some fun this morning. Just humor me for a moment, and let's, uh, let's hear some knock-knock jokes. First one, knock-knock. Mikey. My key isn't working. Can you let me in? That's great. Ha, 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 ha. Yeah. Knock-knock. A-B. A, B, C, D, E, F, G. That one's great. Here, this one's for, uh, this one's for all the students. Knock, knock. Gladys. Gladys the weekend. That's a dab if you didn't know what that means. Do we still do that? I don't think we still do that. Here's what I love about knock, knock jokes. They ask an age-old question. This is the last one, I promise. Knock, knock. Who's there? the age-old question that has been asked ever since the very first social gathering. When I was in college, there was one night that I saw some guys walking around campus with their swimsuits on and they were holding towels. And it was interesting that they were doing this because the pool was closed. And so a thought came to my mind is, where are they headed? And where they were headed was to the forbidden fountain. And here's the thing about this fountain. It's forbidden because you, you can't swim in the fountain. Like that is just a rule that you are born with, knowing that you're gonna go to SNU, that you cannot swim in the fountain. And these guys that I saw, they were going to the fountain. And you might be wondering, how did I see these guys going to the fountain? Well, being the, the well-rounded, good religion major that I was, I was currently praying out the east window when I saw these guys <laughs> with their with their swim trunks on and their towels, and they are walking to the fountain, and just as they're about to jump in, I was just compelled to join them. I, I, I just, I couldn't resist. So I, I found my swim trunks, I grabbed a towel, and I just went for it. And here's something that is really important to understand. It's 2.30 in the morning. Why does that matter? Because come 2 a.m., the campus security guards would ride their golf carts and park them on the front, in the front of Herrick Auditorium, which is where we had our chapel services and large-scale events and stuff like that, and they would just chat. And you knew that from 2 a.m. on, you could get away with anything. So I knew that I had to seize this as my opportunity because the security guards were occupied with whatever it is they talk about at two o'clock in the morning, and I knew that we weren't gonna get caught, so I just had to go for it. And if you're asking why did I have to join them, because the fountain at SNU is like a campus landmark. It is, it is guarded, it is protected, it's like this, this unspoken whisper of, of, of glory that this, that this fountain is. And for those of you that don't know, it is quite the bucket list accomplishment to be able to say that you have swam in the forbidden fountain. And I, and I, like, we have, I have a picture so that you can get a good idea of what this looks Yeah, look at that. So this fountain the, the, has those three tiers of rocks. This is like rock climbing and swimming all in one because you can climb the rock towers, which is so much fun. And then you see that oval that, that surrounds the whole thing. It is filled to the brim with water. And if you get like five or six people in there and you just start walking in a circle, the water moves faster. And then you can just lay in it and just let the current just carry you around. It's like your own lazy river. Like it is just, it's a glorious thing. So we were climbing, we were swimming, we were having a grand old time. And I'm looking around and I realize there's, there's some of my friends that are missing. So I text them to get here. I'm like, you guys, you have got to do this. It's now or never. You've got to come swim in the fountain. And I got a really interesting question in response. They asked the question, 
who's there? And what they were asking with that question was this. Is this worth my time? Is who's there? Is what we're doing? Is the free food? Is this worth my time? They were asking this because it was finals week which if you don't know is kind of a big deal. And here's what you need to know about college students. College students do not prepare. <laughs> At the start of the semester, what do we know is coming? Finals week, when is finals week? At the end of the semester. So we have this whole period of time to prepare, but we don't, and we wait until the week of, and we cram everything in at the very last minute so that it's just craziness and we can't swim in the fountain because we've got papers to write and we've got tests to study for and we've got projects to complete and we waited until the last minute to do it all. So that's what you need to know. No college student prepares, we cram. But we had to make a decision. Finals or swimming in the fountain? And here's another thing to keep in mind. I was a senior at this point. So it's now or never, people. Like, that, that's what I told myself. When I saw them walking into the fountain, I was like, they're my bros, they're the seniors. It's now or never. Yeah, I'm doing this. Like, it was just, it was, a, it was an instantaneous decision that I made that we just had to do this. And so we chose swimming in the fountain. We didn't get caught, which is just glorious. And I have a memory that will last me the rest of my life. But here is what is important to understand. This isn't just about blowing off the important things that we have to do in life, right? Like I recognize finals week is important and I recognize that there are things in our life today that are important. There are deadlines, there are obligations, there's things that we have to do. I, I realize that. Some of my buddies, they, they were not able to come and swim in the fountain because they waited until the last minute. They, they crammed all of this stuff in and they, they couldn't come because of what they waited until the last minute to do. But had they been prepared, they wouldn't have had to cram, right? And the truth is, let's all be honest here, okay? We're just gonna just blanket honesty across the room. That's something that we all do. It's not just reserved to college students. We all do that in life. We cram everything in to a period of time. We just came through spring break. And some of us on Wednesday, we realized, oh, spring break's almost over. We have to just cram everything into these last few days. And some of you are just exhausted today because you look back and you go, we did a month's worth of stuff <laughs> in two days, right? It's not just college students. It's, it's all of us. Sure, we want to use our time for good. Sure, we want to develop these gifts that we feel like God has given us. We want to be generous with our treasure. This sounds great. But what if we're not disciplined with any of those things? This is the wrestling that we have in our spirit when it comes to our time, talent, and treasure. We're asking the question, who's there? Because we're stressed. We're asking who's there because we've got all the things going on. We don't have the time. We don't have the availability. We don't have the margin. We wanna be generous with our treasure, but that, work, that, that sounds great, but we don't have it to begin with. We don't have the resources. And maybe when you think that way, maybe you've said things like this. If I had the time, I would insert blank, like put whatever you want there. If I had the talent, I would, what, what goes there for you? If I had the treasure, I would insert blank. 
And all of those insert blank statements are a way of us asking who's there. That's the question. And another question that I have that, I, that I've just been thinking about as I was prepping this message is when it comes to life, are we staring out the window missing out on opportunities? Are we staring out the window like I was in college and missing out on what's happening on the other side of that? I think that we reach these points in our lives because we have forgotten something. There's something that we have forgotten that we need to remember. We've forgotten about a very important question that we have to ask ourselves. This is a question that helps us prioritize what's important when it comes to us being generous with our time, our talent, and our treasure. And it's an important question to ask because the truth is, every single one of us have dreams. And as we've talked about all throughout this series, and we say this consistently, each one of us has been created on purpose, and each one of us has been created for a purpose. Our dreams matter. Our dreams come from God. They're a gift that God has given to us. They're not just to take up headspace. So often we can just allow a dream to stay locked up in our head for fear of taking a step, for fear of doing something, for fear of investing, whatever it is, that's not what our dreams are meant to do, to just stay up in our headspace. They're to impact your life, and they're to impact the lives of others. It's like what Pastor Brad said a few weeks ago. God isn't asking you to impact the world, just impact the one that you're living in. That's what our dreams do. That's why God has given us those dreams and, and given us the road to walk and given us the courage to take those steps for those things. But the question that we've gotta ask ourselves when it comes to giving our best, when it comes to giving our best of our time and our talent and our treasure, that question is important because none of us wanna to get to the end of our life, look back and see that we have been reckless when it has come to our time, our talent and our treasure. None of us, that's not a goal for any of us, right? We wanna be able to look back and say that we were wise when it came to our time and our talent and our treasure. So what is the question and how do we make sure that we're not reckless with our time, we're not reckless with our talent, that we're not reckless with our treasure. I, I think we see the answer as we look back at the scripture. Luke 6, 38, again, it says, give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. Jesus reminds us to give. And he says that as you do, what you give will return to you. There is a, a resource that I love to use. It's called Download Youth Ministry. And I don't know how they make money because it's $20 a month for the membership, but then you get $20 back to spend in the store. And every now and then they just give you free stuff. It's like, how, how is this company even surviving? Because what I pay, I get back and then some, that, that's this. Like what you give will return to you. That's what Jesus is saying here. And, and, and we can hear that and we can think, that's great, Jesus. But what if I don't have the time? What if I don't have the talent? What if I don't have the treasure to begin with? What if I don't see a way to be able to make this happen? I mean, we're, we're, we're barely making it as it is. What, th th those can be our responses. And those, those responses, those questions that we can ask, that's a, that's a who's there question, right? That's what we're asking when we, when we say those things. What's in it for me? 
What is it that I am going to get out of this? I think a better question that we can ask instead of who's there is this question, and I want you to write this down. What does God want me to do? What does God want me to do? Jesus says right here, give and you will receive. But, but how would I even start? I think we start by asking ourselves this question. What does God want me to do? And this question is all about us remembering God when it comes to our time, our talent, and our treasure. In all of these areas, God wants us to be generous. In each one of these areas, God wants us to give. And the way that we begin to know exactly what that is is to simply ask, God, what do you want me to do? And another thing we need to know is that this question is all about trust, right? Like this question is all about trust, trusting that God knows best and then making a choice based on that truth. Trusting that God knows best and then making a choice based on that truth. My family and I were, were recently blessed with the opportunity to get a new to us uh, washer and dryer. Some friends of ours moved out of their home and the home that they were moving into, uh, the uh, former homeowners decided to leave their washer and dryer set there and so our friends didn't need theirs and so we were able to purchase them for an unbelievably low price. I mean, they're the nicest appliances that we've ever had. Which means that we now had a spare washer and dryer, and I made the decision to keep the older ones just, you know, because you need a backup, and just in case we needed a part or something. I mean, it, I just felt like it was the wise decision to keep those just in case. And then an opportunity came for us to give. I love in Scripture, then is a very biblical word, because something will be said, and then it'll say, and then. And, and that was this scenario for my family and I. And then an opportunity came for us to give. A friend of ours reached out and they asked if we had anybody that we knew that had a spare washer and dryer because she knew of a family who was moving into a home that couldn't afford to furnish the home with anything and she's trying to find anything that she could to help this family. And I'm looking at our washer and dryer and I'm thinking of this family and I'm looking at our washer and dryer and I'm thinking of this family and I'm like... Nope, I don't know anybody. <laughs> Nobody comes to mind. I mean, it's the strangest thing. And then my wife says, let's give them these. And I'm like, no, honey, you don't understand. Like, what if the ones that we have now break? Like, what if we need a part? What if we need to replace one of them? We have three boys. There's laundry going all the time. I'll tell you what I'll do. This second set that we have, I'll install these in the, in the, in the garage, and then we can have double the laundry you know what? We've got three boys. We need another set. That way we can have one set per boy. We can open our own laundromat business. Think of the possibilities. Like I'm just opening all of these doors for my wife to walk through all of these dreams, all of these aspirations. I'm like, think about what's possible, honey. We need them. That's a who's there moment, right? when you're questioning and, and you're, you're talking yourself out of it. And we can say things like, I, I can't get rid of this, whatever this is for you, because I always have an extra. It's, it's a backup, and I have a backup to the backup. 
Like we have three or four backups of whatever the thing is and we can immediately forget what God has done. For me, God provided the nicest washer and dryer that I've ever had. And I can't get rid of these because, because what? Because I might just need them? We're so quick to forget. And we, we, we ask, if I give this, how is, I, how is this going to affect me? If I go and do this, what is this going to do to my evening routine? If I give this treasure here, how am I going to be able to get my latte from Star? Now everything costs 10 bucks. Like those are the questions that we can ask ourselves as we're talking ourselves out of doing things. And what I was really doing in that moment of analyzing and asking who's there, who's this for, what am I going to get out of it? That's what I was doing. Those were the questions that I was asking. But the question that I should have been asking is, what does God want me to do? Looking at that washer and dryer, what does God want me to do? Jesus says to give and you will receive. That's great. I don't operate that way. I receive and then I might give. Like it's, it's a maybe. I mean, I don't know. The economy's crazy. Like don't even get me started on inflation. Like it, it's, a, it's a perhaps. You know, that's a nice word. Somebody asks you to be generous. We say, well, perhaps. And then that person goes back and somebody asks them, what did they say? Well, they said perhaps. Well, what does that mean? Perhaps? Like it's not a yes, it's not a no, it's just kind of an scapegoat response that we can give. That's why we need this question. Because when we receive first, we can be less likely to give. That's why Jesus says to give and then you will receive. And that's why this question, what does God want me to do, is so helpful. Remember, it's about trust. It all comes down to trust. It all comes down to us remembering God in our time, talent, and treasure. I was second-guessing the whole thing. And my wife, she responds and says, God brought us the nicest appliances we've ever had. Like, think about that blessing. I'm like, yep, got it, but we still need these. No, 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 no. Think about that blessing. Like, was that just a one-time thing? And, and, and then done till eternity? Like, God's never gonna do that again? Like, is that how God works? Trust. What does God want me to do? Trust. Give. So we gave away the machines to this family who was able to put them in their new place. And something that they said was that they were able to wash clothes in the place that they live for the very first time. But I was second guessing the whole thing, right? I kept on asking, well, who's there? Who's there? What is, what's in it for me? What am I going to get out of it? What if we need this? I wasn't sure what to do. And we've all been there when we, we're just not sure what to do. I mean, we're, we're, we've been singing that song all month. I don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Elizabeth Elliot was a missionary and just served the Capital C Church for decades. And the staff, we recently read one of her books and something that she said in there was just so captivating. She said this, when you don't know what to do, do the thing in front of you. So here I was, second guessing the washer and dryer. Oh, I don't know because you know, we got three boys and the newer the machine, the least likely they are to last and these older ones are gonna last till Jesus comes so we should probably keep these ones. 
don't know, I don't know, I don't know, right? And you don't know what to do, do the thing in front of you. And if you don't know what that thing in front of you is, ask yourself that question, what does God want me to do? And I promise you, the thing in front of you is a step. The thing in front of you is an opportunity to give. It's an opportunity to trust. It's an opportunity to step back, realize that you are a part of something bigger than yourself, and you're trusting God to figure it out. Here's what's crazy. We weren't even looking for that new washer and dryer when it was given to us. And now we've only got the one washer and the one dryer. And I'd be lying if I said that I'm just kind of watching these things like they're gonna blow up like any minute now. You know, when you smell that electrical burning smell and it's like, that's it, that's the washer, it's fried, it's done. This is why you don't be generous. (laughs) Remember, it's inconvenient giving, right? But Jesus says to give and you'll receive. Your gift will return to you in full. Jesus says, press down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. Do we believe that? Is that the kind of faith that we have? I love Hebrews chapter 11, verse one. It says this, faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. I think one of the things we would all say that we hope for is a life full of rich and meaningful relationships. That's why I'm so thankful that we have core groups here at Core Church, which allow you an opportunity to foster deep and meaningful relationships. Honestly though, here's a little disclaimer, it's one of the hardest things that you can do is to be a part of a core group, why? Because you have to give of your time. And, and, and being a part of a core group sounds great when it's a week away, right? Come Monday, it's just, it's just this romantic thought of relationships and core groups and sharing a meal together. Oh, honey, we should do that. And then Sunday comes. We'll do it next week. And then that next week comes, and guess what? We'll do it next week, and the next week, and the next week. It's the first thing we're gonna ask about when we go to church, and then it's the next week, and the next week, and so on and so forth. But I, I, I gotta tell you, it's worth it. It's worth it to make the sacrifice. It's worth it to give of your time. I'm glad I did, because Chad is a friend of mine. Jerry is a friend of mine. Steve is a friend of mine. Chase is a friend of mine. And you might not know who those men are, and that's okay. I do. Because every week when we gather and we break off into our subgroups, all of the guys gather, we talk about where we're winning, where we feel like God has just done something incredible in our life. We talk about how we're sharing our faith. Who are we praying for? We talk about what we're reading in scripture and how that's impacting our lives. And I'm telling you, the, the rich, the deep and meaningful relationships that have come back to me are just as Jesus says, running over and poured into my lap. This, this is how God's economy works. We want tangibles. I get that, trust me, I get that. 
We, we want the just in cases. We want the extra set of the washer and dryer. We want the things that we can see and we want the things that we can touch in response to us giving. And what we wanna receive is something that we can hold. I get that. But what God will return to you, it might be joy. That's, that's not something you can see. That's not something you can touch. What God returns to you in full might be contentment. It might be a deep sense of satisfaction in your soul. Or like I've experienced through, the, through my core group, it might be rich, deep, and meaningful relationships. Those are the things that are worth it. Those are the things that are, are just the reward to us being generous when it comes to our time, our talent, and our treasure. Remember that question when you're just, when you're presented with an opportunity, what does God want me to do? That's the better question to ask. And I think that that is what's gonna help guide us and direct us because you don't wanna be staring out the window, looking at missed opportunities, asking who's there. It's not the way to live. The way to live is what does God want me to do? And we trust, and we trust that that God did it before. We trust that God's gonna do it again. That's the best way to live. That's the best question to ask.